Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. One guy shouldn't be allowed to be as talented and as good-looking as our guest today, Robert Schwartzman. He fixes cars, he plays guitar, and he can sing. He is so hot. He is wicked sweet. If you have daughters like me, you'll recognize that line from The Princess Diaries. Of course, they're talking about Michael, the heartthrob from the original movie. Go ahead and squeal right now and get it out of your system. Or you might know Robert as a gifted musician. He put together a band with his high school buddies, called it Rooney, and they went on tour with hits like this one. And though it's probably not the first thing he brings up at cocktail parties, he's kind of Hollywood royalty. His uncle's Francis Ford Coppola, and yeah, that was his mom playing Adrian in Rocky. His passion, though, is storytelling. And that's where he's focused his talent. Robert's career these days is behind the camera, as a director and a producer. This weekend, he's presenting not one, but four films at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. He directed a feature starring Nick Jonas called The Good Half. He's showing a documentary about the band The Zombies, and he produced a third, a mystery thriller called Drugstore June. The fourth? It's an encore screening of the movie that put him on the map as Michael from The Princess Diaries. Yeah, he will be taking photos with you at the event. I'm actually kind of upset at how handsome and talented he is, so let's just uh, get on with it, okay? Begrudgingly, welcome to Sundown. Wow, that was so nice. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I wasn't expecting that. Well, you should, man, because like you're, uh, where do I start? Like when, you know, when we find out that we booked you, I, I mentioned it to one of my daughters. I was like, yeah, we're having the, you remember the, 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 heart, the, the boyfriend in Princess Diaries and she squealed. Really? Yeah. Like, I, and then uh, he's, yeah, he's directing a new movie with Nick Jonas squealed again. Yeah, yeah. So like my, I have my headphones turned way up because my ear, uh, right, right. Your, uh, ears are blown and then I realized that you were the, the lead singer of Rooney and like yeah. I love that song I was like we need thank to put so that much. in the intro that's very cool thank you so it's like all those things that you know you've had such a you have such a creative and varied career that I think it'll just be fun to talk about yeah I can't things. wait yeah um, I literally just landed in Fort Lauderdale by the way really yeah I mean I flew in I took a red eye last night I just, I'm preparing the audience for someone who just got off an airplane and then try to catch up, and then I'm here with you, which is great. Listen, it's surreal how it's amazing we can just travel like how quickly you can yeah, do things. That like would have taken two never. weeks, and and like half of our party would have died of dysentery. It's uh, 100 if years we ago. were back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, I just shout out to travel. Shout out to the future. That's right. We're living in in the future times. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, you know, I, I I've worried about like playing some of those bits of music, music and acting bits because. Sometimes people kind of uh, don't embrace like that, you know, the things that kind of made them famous or that they're famous for. But I, I love that you kind of lean into that. Like you're you're presenting the the Princess Diaries of all things at the, the film festival. too. I mean, by the way, Gregory, who runs the festival, I've become friends with because he invited I had a my first movie I ever directed was called Dreamland. And I directed it in 2016 is when it like debuted at Tribeca. Mm -hmm. And then Gregory invited it to open the festival here. And I, that was the first time I had been a part of the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. And I was really, uh, it was very like, I don't want to say like, I guess touching or made me feel very good that it was so, um, it was presented in a way of, that was really exciting where they, they've screened it in a really big venue at the Hard Rock Casino. 
and they had a really fun after party. They gave awards out to our cast. And anyway, just it's really just I'm, I'm sort of I want to start by saying I'm here for the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival, which is going on. It's kicking off tomorrow where the good half, the movie I just directed, will will debut uh, in, in Florida. And um, oh, that's exciting. This is the yeah. first. Uh, the first. This is well. It tr- it played Tribeca. Tribeca Technically, right. the U.S. debut is a Tribeca, but we haven't. We since Tribeca, we haven't screened it anywhere else. So this will be the first time, and it's going to get that same opening night slot that Dreamland had years ago. I also oh, wow. came here with my second film called The Unicorn, which played here, and I came out as well to to be a part of this experience. But anyway, just a big thanks to the festival because they really do it up. Like you know, mo- independent movies are very important because we need to have a balance of like these bigger, you know, I don't want to say corporate driven entertainment vehicles, sure, which are just designed to be mega money driven pieces. Then you can have independent films that are, that are sort of these sidecar sort of category of movies that need festivals and need yourself and need press and need media to really elevate them to make sure that the everyday audience moviegoer like is aware of these films right yeah, it I just, mean, like, yeah. there's only so many marvel movies you can get but yeah, if they help finance right, stuff right. like this then yeah let's yeah. do it right it's getting you know it's compa- i mean again i'm going now i'm going to take you on a really big roller coaster let's of do tangent I'm, which i could talk to you I'm for hours in. about but just the sort of we're living in the the world today of like consumption media consumption technology the ways we you know you're seeing it today with um consolidation of streaming platforms mm-hmm. We see the strike is going on currently as we speak, still right. has not been resolved. A lot of big changes going on in the world that I'm involved in, like professionally. But I really do care and love independent filmmaking because I think it's true getting just to the bottom of true like artistry of like, let's go make things we believe in and we love. Let's tell stories we love. Right. And let's hope that there's an audience out there that's going to want to receive those stories and we can get them to an audience in a way that's creative and exciting. So festivals are really where the, the the journey of the indie movie starts with the festival circuit, and that's where I am right now with the good half. Cool, yeah, and you and, have yeah. and two, and so they're so different, which I think is is really interesting to be able to talk about things like that, like what what catches your attention. So yeah. when you're yeah. when you're looking at a film like like uh, the good half, mm-hmm. and you get that script, like what is it about it when you saw it that said like, hey, this, this is, is something? The one. Yeah, this is the one. Well, I usually. I really just like music for so long with Rooney. Like I, I get the most satisfaction from start sitting down and having a, an, an idea and then running with that idea from, from, you know, development to like release, whether it's music or film, which is why I kind of found my way into the film industry after doing music for so with doing Rooney for so many years, I found the same satisfaction of packaging indie movies, the way that I packaged, you know, albums and wrote songs. But, um, so yeah, usually the movies I've made, and I'll go through them, Dreamland, The Unicorn, The Argument, are all movies that I sort of had some hand in the story in some way or worked with the writer in some way where I found myself in the story. Right. Um, the Good Half was brought to me as like a, will you direct this movie? What do you think of this script kind of a project? Well, that's cool. So it's a little yeah. bit of a, it's the it first came kind that of, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jumping into a different, somebody, totally. somebody else's vision. Exactly. Else's vision. Someone's script. Yeah. And it was written by Brett Ryland, who's going to be here tomorrow, who I've become friends with. And I didn't know him before I read it, but it was a, you know, I, I, it was sent from a friend who works in the industry who said, this is a great script. You have to read this. And they like you, they like your other movies and they would love to talk to you about it. So I was like, great. And um, it totally jumped out as a, a very well, um, like a witty, clever, 
way of telling a story about gr- grief and loss, mm-hmm. which is a subject that every most people like in this world have experienced maybe some form of grief, whether it's through like a relationship ending or a loss in the family or grief can come in many shapes and sizes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mystery. It's, 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 it's a very subjective thing of how we deal with that. But I just found, and I'll go into it more in a personal, but I had, I've had my own experiences with grief and loss in my family. So I felt like maybe this is something I can bring my own experiences, even though it's the characters lost his mother in the story. And he's going back to Cleveland, Ohio to try to make sense of what do I do now that she's passed away, going through the planning of working with your family to kind of figure out the next steps can be a very overwhelming confusing process yeah, and it can be I've been the, in that and yeah. once you lose like I lost I lost both my parents in the last couple of years yeah. and and when you're thrust into that world it can be discombobulating in a way that's right. hard to um hard to express to other people um and it sounds like you you have personal personal Yeah uh, my dad passed away when I was very I was very young when yeah. he passed away I was so young that I mean I was 11 yeah but I was young enough to where I didn't really know how to what it even meant to lose somebody right you mean i'm never gonna see him again i don't understand what that means i didn't know yeah yeah. exactly and i going to the funeral and stuff like that i didn't really know i didn't it didn't really hit me at that i couldn't make sense of it as i could now as like an adult but i think through making this movie it's like i think loss has been such a mystery in my life that i'm always trying to make sense of Hmm. that if i could tell a story about it maybe i can get closer to understanding it so all of it's just a journey in trying to make sense of having dealt with loss at a, at a young age, I think, for me. Do, do you have moments like that? Because I, I know that after I lost my dad, it was just at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I, I kind of put myself into, I, I started working on this story about uh, about these uh, our little coffee windows in Miami because my dad used to have mm-hmm. one in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was an unexpected form of, of a way that I dealt with grief, you know? And I wonder if, if during these films, like, do you find little bits of, little moments working on projects whether they're yours or otherwise that kind of that do heal a little spot you know oh yeah yeah totally i think the um well i mean one thing was just not i think for many years i didn't like want to talk about loss yeah like i think i avoided it i realize for those of you listening who have lost a parent or lost someone in your family or even dealt with something like this i think like maybe this conversation might kind of resonate a little bit but like i will say the movie to to sidebar for a second when we screened this film the good half at tribeca this summer in june like it what i was really happy to see was people feeling comfortable to stand up and share a story of their loss like people would take the mic like when you open oh. up to the q a to the audience yeah people would say you know i my mother just passed away or my lost so-and-so and this movie really helped me kind of feel like it it kind of gets me right with what I'm going through right now and that was and then afterwards people kept coming up to Brett and I ex- sharing their stories of loss right and that was very it was an amazing thing to experience that because I, I really going into this movie I hope that it would sort of create a relatable feeling of like you get me or I'm not alone in this like process and I when we were reading like actors and doing the sort of zoom auditions during COVID. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which was bizarre. Oh, trying to make that connection via yeah. the little tiny window. So bizarre. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and Nick Jonas. Well, Nick, I go, Nick, I knew for so long and we, Nick just like in, in casting a movie, you go through ups and downs of like 
getting an actor, losing an actor, getting an actor. Yeah, the person attached to the project at the beginning is never in it in the end. Yeah, it's right. like a joke. <laughs> but Nick, I knew, and I and I'll tell you why we why that all made sense. But you know the yeah, my my hope was as you're hearing the actors read the material, you're going, "Whoa, this is really real," and mm-hmm. this is there the the movie is not completely it's got comedic elements of telling a story about a heavy subject matter which i like comedy i like finding ways of using comedy to get real right well he's very he's very sardonic in that yeah he definitely is totally um but that's what it is it's all sometimes these experiences can be ridiculous in, in a comical way so adding some levity to these heavy subject matters can help the medicine go down you know, a little totally. bit. So anyway, so yeah, like um, I really liked that in the material. I liked that it was dealing with something that I maybe wanted to grab onto more in my own life. It's not my story of loss, but I have lost a parent. So I can relate to this character going through this experience, not sure what to make of it. That part of it, I could really try to bring out of Nick, who plays the lead actor in the film, is going through the story. His sister, Brittany Snow. Um, his mother was played by Elizabeth Shue, you she know, amazing, legend. Yeah. David Arquette is the stepdad. Matt Walsh plays his father. Alex Alexandra Ship uh, plays this love interest that he meets, who's sort of a way for him to deflect through, you know, through loss, through grief. We try to also we go through denial, and that's one of the stages. There's stages of grief, right? That's yeah. sort of. So in this story, our character, in a subtle way, goes through each stage of grief. Yeah, you can see he's he's denial. He's there's there's this anger built up in them yeah. early up in the movie before he really starts kind of to release and open. accept yeah. in, in Act Three. Yeah. Not to give the story away to let's, you guys. Let's not give it away. If you could imagine he goes through these <laughs> stages. But, but, um, but anyway, there, yeah. there is this great moment, too, where they're kind of all around the table and there's this awkwardness of these families coming together to deal with this kind of elephant in the room. And I yeah. think a lot of people who maybe dealt with something like that, someone who's getting yeah. ready to, to, to die, yeah. um, have been in, in places like that, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's all, you know, grief. It, these experiences are... T- for people to figure out their own version of how to get through it. Everyone has their own way of, of, of grieving and dealing with loss. But in this movie, we deal with this story and how this character deals with loss. And maybe it touches on something we've all experienced on the side. But yeah, I mean, I, I think um, that's what drew me to the material originally. And um, it was a journey to get it made. I mean, we started, we started packaging it like the end of 2019, top of 2020. And we got like shut down because of the COVID pandemic shutdown. Sure. And then we we had to do a lot of stuff virtually. We you know it was like a lot of like remote working on a movie, which was really bizarre. But we finally got it going. It was a real. It was man. It was a marathon to get it done. You know, yeah. and it still is to get it delivered and ready. Right. Just to get to this uh, screening in Fort Lauderdale tomorrow at the Hard Rock is um, was a journey. You know, what I mean, we were up yeah. till like you know one in the morning last night, just like finishing stuff. Oh my god! The day before that. But you know that we talked so much about your the feature film, and that's and it was great to get into those details. I'm curious about the documentary. It's a documentary on the zombies, um, which uh, you know for folks who don't know, it kind of had like this this incredibly blazing hot career, I guess, in the, in the late '60s, um, and then c- kind of broke up. But then your your documentary is about them kind of coming back together, right? Yeah, they, so, okay, so that's another, I'm so happy we're talking about the zombies because I'm a, like, this is like, they're my favorite band and um, I just, they were such a big influence for, for Rooney, for my music mm-hmm. life. Right. But um, yeah, so 
we talked about, you know, we all went through this pandemic together. You know, we had to like figure out what to do with ourselves, you know? Yeah. And, um, and this was part of your, your pandemic project was the, was the zombies zombies. And well, so the good half and the zombies were sort of coming together at the same time. Right. Oh, like parallel yeah. stories making a documentary is so different than shooting a scripted feature with actors and you, you it's so much more about schedule you have like a window to get it done you, you got your crew you got your locations we're in we're out and then we're moving into post-production the zombies project was sort of has peaks and valleys of we're filming with the band we're filming interviews we're filming verite style like fly on the wall footage mm -hmm. we're in post we're back we're filming we're back in post we're filming you know you kind of go in and out of it yeah it's just an ever evolving thing for anyone listening who makes like documentaries or interested in documentary filmmaking. It's, I mean, it depends on the creative and what, I mean, if you're doing reenactments and stuff like that, you, you would shoot that like a movie with very schedule, but always, always a schedule, but it's just different docs. Can you can go pick up a shot that you needed? Cause you didn't get that one piece that you need another line. Can we do, you're filling in the stories you go, but so yeah, the zombies are a band. If anyone doesn't know the zombies, I urge you to open up Spotify or Apple music or whatever you listen to right now and Google the shirts for the zombies and add like them to your like artists that you want to listen to because they made this, they have a, you'll know their hits like time of the season. She's not there. Well, it's great that you mentioned it because we have a, we have a clip we can play for the people and, oh, nice. uh, and get them, get them their appetites wetted. Amazing. It sounded really quite special. One of our favorite songs ever. After the recording of this album, the zombies broke up. It was really unfortunate what happened to us. Someone was making fortune. It certainly wasn't us. It's a legacy left behind, and it's a legacy that will go on. And that's just a little bit of yeah. the, the, the tail end of the Amazing. trailer. But it's like, I wanted people to hear that that's bit of so the song cool. because yeah, you're like, that's yeah, that's oh, the... Of course, yeah. And like the voice you heard there was was Haim. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Talking Haim. about how much they love them. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of love. I mean, a lot of bands today who are maybe younger audiences would like really look up to were influenced by the zombies. They were the second, you know, after the Beatles came to the US and like broke British invasion movement. Mm -hmm in the sixties, like that was the zombies was like the next in line after the Beatles came here. They, they, they say in the doc, but they were the first, the second band after the Beatles have a number one hit in oh, the wow. U S with a self-written song. Right. Cause a lot of the, a lot of that time were like songwriters were writing songs and vocalists would sing them. But that's why the Beatles were such a different kind of band. Cause they wrote and performed their own songs and their songs were just as great, if not better than all the professional songwriter driven bands. Uh, but the zombies, Rod Argent, Colin Blundstone have carried the torch. They're they're they've remained the zombies, the two of them with mm -hmm. a band, a backing band that you know they've that tour with them for many years now. I, um, I'm curious yeah. what it must have been like for you to go out and and be shoot with those guys. Yeah, be oh, with man. them, especially when you're kind of maybe looking at your own career, like yeah, kind yeah. of from the outside. Totally. Like I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of parallels. I mean, they're in their late seventies. I mean, I'll tell you this. Think about this, right? Rock and rollers in their late 70s, That's what I'm man. saying. <laughs> Think about people you know in your late 70s. Like, close your eyes and imagine that person. Now imagine them putting on, like, a leather jacket, getting in, like, a vehicle and traveling around the world or a country, the country, like, many, many months out of the year, performing for audiences. That's just and, and performing really well, not just like, oh, yeah, I heard, oh, it's, that sounds great. It's not like, an, like, I'm at the show, yay, I'll never see you again. They're coming back every year 
to play their music. And it sounds like better. Colin, Colin Blundstone, the lead singer, has this voice that I've always loved so much. Like his voice has, it's so, it's just a magical rock and roll voice. Yeah. And Rod Argent went on to start Argent. A lot of people know mm-hmm. songs like Hold Your Head Up. And he had like a great sort of prog rock legacy. And then Colin performed with Alan Parsons Project. He had some different 80s projects. Argent, Rod Argent went on to like work with Andrew Lloyd Webber on a lot of musicals like Phantom of the Opera. Oh, and surprise. People don't really know about that. Yeah. Uh, he did one that was that rollerblading one that I love so much. Damn, I'm forgetting the name. I should know it. I get, I got kind of like uh, Trent Reznor kind of vibes, you know, like, yeah. like no, quietly making that. a whole yeah. different. He had that behind the scenes kind of thing, producing yeah. big records, and then he they formed again in like the late or the late nineties, and then they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the late like in 2017. I get, I get, I think about old guys, old guys on tour, and I think about seeing um, Van Halen about ten years ago. Yeah, and David Lee Roth in tight pants doing a roundhouse kick, and I was like, "How yeah, is what is going how on? How is he here? doing it?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to know how he's doing it. Yeah. I, mean, I think we all know how he's doing. It. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's. I I think I'm just so happy because the Zombies' legacy. Like, I I'm so happy to be a part of their journey because I I they're one of my favorite bands of all time, and I just kind of like went directly to their management team. A friend of mine was helping try to get it made, and he I was like. You know, I was his, his name is Rick Krim. Shout out to Rick Krim. He used to run VH1. Okay, right. He's a great dude. Great, like a knows like a, he's been a part of helping so many artists along the way. But I said to Rick, it was like during COVID, and I was like, Rick, I've been you know directing more and more, and I really love music documentaries. And I was like, you know what story? I wish I could have told, but it's I read online that they're already making it, the zombies story. And he's like, well, funny enough, you say that I know them, and they're not really. It doesn't seem like that other project's really going you should go meet their managers and like talk to them about it. So I did, we had like a cold, I'd like had a zoom with the managers and they were really receptive. And then I had a zoom with Colin and Rod, which can you imagine? Like, these are my heroes, right? I'm on zoom with my heroes gushing over them, like pouring my heart (laughs) out. Like we've got to do this. We've got to do that. Odyssey and Oracle best album ever. Like you guys are the greatest. Like I've got to tell the story. Like I know we're going to make it of quality. You guys are quality. It's got to be a quality film. It's got to look great. Sound great. Awesome. And they, Rod was just like smiling the whole time, like feeling like, wow, you know, like you really seem passionate to do this. Like we're on board. So we did. We jumped in. We started filming in 2021. Uh, we started with interviews in New York. We rebuilt. If anyone likes the zombies, go. If you Google online, she's not there video or music video. You'll see this video from the from the old days because they didn't have music videos in the 60s. They mm-hmm. had promo videos. Mm-hmm you'll see the band performing in this like studio with um, like, you know, a chaise lounge and like mannequins and all these things in the room. We recreated that set and we shot the interviews there. So it's really cool. People won't pick up on it right away, but if you go back and go, Oh yeah, they recreated the, she's not there set. See, that's where the interviews like take place. I love that. So you'll see, that's our anchor interview. Then we went to England. We went to Abbey road with them where they recorded Odyssey and Oracle, which is Rolling Stone called it one of the best albums of all time. Wow. It's literally like, you know, Dave Grohl, for example, says it's his favorite album. Like so many artists that you guys are like, what Dave Grohl? Like, yes, like these are people (laughs) like this is the band that was responsible for this. Like listen to the music and listen to the craftsmanship and you'll go, oh, my God, this is incredible. There's so many like creative choices just in that alone. And and it makes me think about like your own creative upbringing, right? Like you're like how you got to be this guy who's kind of interpreting 
people's creativity in different ways and and the decision to kind of get there and I'm curious we'll, you know a lot of our a lot of our guests here are and we're an alternate arts and culture show we'll talk about how they got into some kind of art form whether it's music or pain or whatever as like a way to be like a complete person like my parents put me in a thing because they thought violin would be good for me and now I'm you know I'm a, a dancer or whatever you know and I'm wondering how much of that was like for you like, like, the, like upbringing yeah like bringing in bringing in arts and culture into your life when you were a kid was it always like because you you come from a like a an artistic family was it kind of expected or was it like this is a, we'll make robert a complete kid if he wants to go be a doctor or whatever i mean it was not expected like i did you know my mom's an actress my dad was a movie producer and um but he was a little more he came he was like an entertainment lawyer who became a movie producer oh that's interesting it's interesting and it like it's it's not uncommon like if you understand the the foundation of movie production through through like work, papering contracts mm-hmm. putting together deals that's what producing kind of is there's creative producers and there's the deal making producers i think he was more like you know could anchor my mom who was like a free spirit like wild very like yale gra- drama school graduate very like, schooled in like theater musicals operas like so that was my upbringing was one side was like this, you know, like producer and one side was like this free spirited artist. What an interesting balance, right? It was about, ba- yeah. Yeah. So I saw both sides of that and I just kind of find myself sort of maybe walking that my tightrope because I love the packaging creative side of business. You love how it gets I love, together. I love it. I right. Love how it. it happens. Totally. Your, and your then brother, I love the free spirit side of it too. Your brother, Jason, uh, yeah. who was in like all the Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously brothers can be so different. Like, did you guys, like, what was your, when you were growing up, like, did you find yourself drawn to more one personality or one type or one interest than, than the yeah, other? I think so. He, if Jason were here, he would probably be like making you laugh a lot because he's super, super, super funny. He doesn't always get to do that in all of his movie roles, but he's crazy funny. Like, really, really whip, like, quick, quick. Yeah, like, well, keep the, you on your it, toes. Was it the Dead? Oh, what was the movie? What was the series it was in? in oh, Prime? Bo- uh, Bored to Death. Bored to Death. Yeah, on, on HBO. Yeah. yeah. But, that was a great series. But, like, you're, like, I'm, I'm curious to, like, yeah. when you're, like, when you're coming up, because, I mean, he obviously didn't go into music, but that was something that was really interesting to you. Like, did you try lots of different things and just find yourself kind of, like, indulging those, those creative? Yeah, I think I, so my upbringing, so by the way, J- Jason, my brother, started a band called Phantom Planet when he was in high school. Okay. They got signed to Geffen. They had, they wrote the, you know, the song that was used in the OC, California. Oh, wow. That they was, wrote they that. They wrote that. Get Jason wrote that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So like Jason was, is a really, really good drummer. Like uh, well, really good. I was going to say Rooney played that, like that yeah. song that we played at the they, top. They used a lot of music in the OC. Yeah. But, um. Jason was the first to sort of pave the way, and then I would go see his shows as the younger brother. Oh, you guys were close then. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's awesome. I would go to the shows. I'd load in the equipment with him and kind of just like watch him do it. I'd watch the band rehearse in our basement, and like I was just kind of like watching as a younger brother, really like, whoa, this is so cool, rock and roll band. Like (laughs) I would, you know, party with them after the shows, and like I hadn't started a band at that time. I was just like really enjoying at, at that time in my life I actually really wanted to make movies. I was like I would write little like short films with my friends in school and we would shoot them. Oh, what I was went that away like? To film school. I lo- it was so cool. But like you do it like around the neighborhood type of shooting shoot around one. the neighborhood, shoot in the backyard. All right, give me one. Go give to high like, school. Give me one little storyline or something. We shot so much stuff. Jason shot a lot too. We would shoot together, but we used That's to cool. 
for some I we were young, but like our our elementary school had like a film program, which is really weird to say. That's really cool. It was like an after school program where we would shoot movies, and there was like a teacher that would help get the cameras. And well, Spiel, Spielberg's sister was here. She she had a, a movie at the at the Jewish Film Festival earlier this mm. year. And uh, and she was talking about how you know them as kids like he would be like come on I'm gonna shoot you doing oh, yeah, this yeah, and his yeah, sister cool. was like like they would just kind of make movies Play together around. yeah yeah that's where it starts if you're I mean I think we were fortunate to be at a school that maybe allowed us to have access to cameras and stuff God that's so important right yeah totally and you're shooting on VHS or like those little DV cam those little tapes that we used the, the tiny v- little digital tiny tapes. little mini tape yeah. But we would shoot, we shot like a remake of Robin Hood back in the day. Oh, really? That. You did like but a we were really young. shot for shot. Of- oh yeah, we <laughs> shot awesome. like we like got bows and arrows and outfits, and we went in the backyard and shot like Wait, a cartoon version or a Kevin Costner version. Not Kevin Costner version. <laughs> well, no, it was probably maybe it was around that time. The Errol I, Flynn one or whatever the black and white one. I think it was because we had access to the props. We just like we decided to sh- remake like it was, and this is like a three minute version of Robin Hood. Awesome. Jason wrote a really intense like crime drama that was like a, he played like a detective. It was like a buddy cop comedy kind of thing. That is it, hilarious. And, was, and I played his son <laughs> in it, which is hilarious. Like I, we had like a, a father son scene. Do you guys where have he, like, a relationship gave me a talking like that? to? That's yeah, a, of course. Oh, that's cool. Because he's not much older than you, right? He's three years older. Yeah. I mean, that's Close at this enough. age, it's like nothing. It's true. At this age, it's nothing. But back then, back then, it felt like a lot because I was like an eighth grader and he's like a senior. So you're like, whoa. <laughs> he was like in the student council. We would drive to school, you know. He would, we was yeah. Well, of course, we grew up very close. He's just different. Like he would say, like Jason, I'm I'm more I like more of the business side of things. Like I don't think I'm, I wouldn't say like I'm an expert in that world, but I just like enjoy the packaging of projects. How to conceive? How do we? How do we coming up with the plan? Right? How do we do this? And then you have to use your team and your partners to kind of figure it out on a more sort of like micro. You know, when you zoom in closer to it, but. Just so sort of, I really like the sort of how to put things together side of things. Jason's more of just truly, very much more just the artist side of it. Just wants to show up, do this, do the do the scene and get out. And, what, and doesn't want to be like bogged down with that stuff. What what kind of like, what were some of your first entries into where you you were doing that, where you were putting the pieces together and, and liking to seeing, like seeing yeah. the end result, you know, like some of those moments. That, Early days, that, I don't know, like getting to put short films together with my friends after school, getting the material, getting the props, logistics, planning it, where do we shoot, stealing shots, um, cutting it, you know, showing it to people, just like the whole from beginning, and it's end, I'll say end to end, right? Mm-hmm. So I like the end to end process. I like, let's find it and let's put it out. And that's where I, I we didn't get into it, but I did, we could talk about Utopia. I don't know if you research Utopia, but tell me no, tell me about it though. I'm, I'm... Well, Utopia is a film distribution company that I'm I'm a founder of, and it's basically in making indie movies. I saw there was a real opportunity to help release movies and support independent filmmakers. Oh, you found that gap, and you're like, yeah, this exactly. is how we get from end right. to end. Exactly. So we started Utopia distrib- Utopia, which is uh, now it's after five years, it's a real competitive, strong um, film distribution company. We acquire, we have a really strong team. We go to film festivals around the world and we acquire the rights to f- movies and mm-hmm. we release them. So we do theatrical, all the digital, all the, you know, press, uh, advertising. Like it's, it's, it's the full, full, uh, full service of distribution. And we believe in keeping movies in theaters. So we do really good theatrical releases. Like we, we, you know, we do all the theatrical all the marketing and then we will then license those movies to major platforms like Netflix and Hulu and then um, yeah maintain these titles so it's become a great uh, 
provider to independent filmmakers of a great foundation of supporting these releases. The reason the company started was just because after making indie movies, I was like, wow, distribution is the worst thing ever. Like no one really cares. And there aren't enough companies to go around that are really supporting like, film. How do we get this how in do front we of support? people? We yeah, made exactly. this thing. How do right. we get it in front of people? So knowing the sort of frustrations as a filmmaker was a sort of jumping off point to create a company that really could be another voice in the world of film distribution. And I think we've built a great brand and we've scaled into original content. So now we're producing original um, film, narrative docs and series, episodic, scripted, unscripted series. So it's, yeah, it's grown from distribution to original productions. So it's not just, you're not just only creating, but you're helping others get their creative works out. Yeah. The world. I mean, we started as acquisitions. So we literally started the company, like only, we only came into the process once the movies were done. The movies would be screened at Sundance or Cannes or Toronto. We would make a deal and acquire those movies from the filmmaker. And then we would be responsible for the release strategies. So anyway, I'm just kind of sharing with you. I just like all these kinds of things to me are very satisfying because they're all part of a creative industry, right? Right. They're and all connected. Right. It's and not, yeah. I mean, and it's the interesting part about uh, like kind of what catches your attention with it, you know, with all the kind of different creative outlets yeah. that, you've, that you've had access to. Totally. Our guest today is Robert Schwartzman. He's an actor, a musician, and a filmmaker, and he'll be presenting four movies at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival, which starts this weekend. You know, we talked- Starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Well, I, do, Friday- Do you want to hear my radio voice, by the way? Yeah, let's hear it. This is Robert Schwartzman. I'm here in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, I'm going to be at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival starting tomorrow night with my film, The Good Half. That's a pretty great radio voice. I like that. It's not. It's better in the morning when I first wake up. I, if, I channeled the movie phone your voice guy. is deeper. Do you remember movie phone? Of course. I, that's Thank my generation. Thank you for calling movie phone. You have the voice. I'm Brought a, to you by WLRN yes. and the Miami Herald. Yeah, that's a that's a radio that's a radio voice. Yes. If you'd like to speak with Robert Schwartzman, <laughs> press one now. Sometimes, but if I go on tour when I'm sound checking and stuff, and you've got this big, you got the you got the venue, you got the reverb, you got that echo. Mm-hmm. You can really you can create that amazing. You can really do some kind of amazing voice work. But that's a whole another interview. I, if you want to talk about voice it, work, it could just be this. I know I'm not here for that. But I'm, no, we're, I'm fine we with that. Another time. I have nowhere to go. I mean, I'm here for the next yeah. at least the Let's next twenty minutes. Work. Sorry. Um, no, I, I, I like I, I like like the way that you indulge the different parts of your creativity. Thank you, know? you very much. And and you talked so much about you know you and your brother just out shooting movies like just because it's fun. And I, I know you had lost your dad at that point. Um, and I, now it makes yeah, sense yeah. why yeah. why he was played such a role in your life too yeah. if you're that close. And I just wonder like are your kids at because I know you have kids. Yeah, are we they, had we had twins. Recently or during the pandemic, yeah. Oh my god! During the first, like you were very busy wave. during the pandemic, man. This, for that first <laughs> 2020, I mean, it was so weird. Um, you know, what we we found out we were gonna have twins before everything like shut down, so we went from like sort of figuring out how to adapt to a like having you know your first go at this, yeah. To it's to it's two of them. Surprise! It's two. Surprise! Yeah. I, it's I have two. twin nieces, and I saw yeah. how that went down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this was, yeah, just like, okay, surprise. We found out like at our first visit, it was like two. And then having to make sense of that. And then like very quickly after that, you get catch wind that now we're gonna have to sort of like not go outside and like, you know, have to get groceries for that last sort of, that's sort of that frantic thing that was going on. Everyone was trying to figure it out. Yeah, let's go run out and get toilet paper yes, for some reason. Exactly. Why is that? I, it's so funny because I, I was really relaxed about it. And then my wife was like, I think this is a real 
thing right now. We've got to like really plan for this, right? Like you got to, we should go to the market. That's your wife. Your wife said the line that's like in all the, in, in all, all the po- movies. apocalypse exactly. movies. I think like, we should Robert, really go to the market. We need to really go. So I ran to the market and it was, a, it was that weird. I remember the feeling walking around the market where everyone's sort of looking at each other, not sure like what to make of all this, like mm. that fear in everyone's eyes. Mm. And then I just remember everything was like pretty much like everything was pretty much out, sold out. And there's like a big market, right? I just remember thinking I'm not going to be able to buy food for so long. So I just bought whatever I could. And I bought so many frozen burritos. <laughs> I, I filled up my cart with so many frozen burritos. Oh, my that God. They couldn't even fit in my freezer. And they were not good. <laughs> That's the worst part. Like, You're, they weren't delicious. It's just kind of like this post-apocalyptic. Yes. You're just eating burritos just in your all, house. Just eating frozen burritos. And then I thought I cracked the system because I found this website called, like, Food Direct, where you could buy stuff in, like, bulk. And I bought tons of pasta and, like, spaghetti. And it was they came in these massive, like, really heavy bags. <laughs> Like, um, like really big bags of spaghetti. Yeah, the most inconvenient pandemic uh, food shopping. I bought all this stuff. And then little did we know, like, I then could buy spaghetti, like, not that long after that. So I still have all the spaghetti in my, like, cupboard. I feel like you should, like, (laughs) repackage that. Like, like Rooney spaghetti. Maybe someone wants my spaghetti. (laughs) If anyone's out there listening, I've got spaghetti. You got all the spaghetti you can have. It's still pretty good. I mean, it did expire, but if you warm it up, you never know. You never know. People don't need to know that. But so we, yeah, we had, we have, we had fraternal twins, two boys and, um, they're, it's really fun. And, oh my God. You know, fraternal twins, but both yeah, boys, two boys. Yeah. How exciting. Like it's, it's so really they're, cool. they're about what, about two or they're three now, three yeah. now. Yeah. So like, do you already see different personalities? Totally. Totally do, different. Do Couldn't they love each other? Different. Do they always hitting each other with bats? Uh, a lot of physical play, um, having to always correct, trying to do our best, um, to be supportive and not, you know, it's so it's just so weird because it's just like anything like you because of social media now when you start looking at one thing you start getting it starts feeding you more of the same thing oh yeah so like yeah, now right, we're yeah. getting all these like little pointers on how to parent properly mm. <laughs> and i'm always saying to my wife she sends it to me but like the whole thing of like don't say no like try to find a new way of saying like instead of saying no say yes but like correcting it it's just always it's just a funny time to be a parent in this world we're living in right now but I'm curious what what that's like for you, like when you look at them um, kind of stepping out. Do you ever step outside yourself and like kind of get a because I know that even now um, my dad's been gone for a couple of years and my kids are, you know, teens and a couple in college. And I still have moments where I'm like, God, I I really wish I could ask a question about X, Y, Z parenting. Like even at this to get some pointers. Yeah. Yeah. I know your mom's obviously in your life, but I think um, my whole life. I think I've just had to get used to not having the answers from like my dad being around. Right. Yeah. So I've, that's, I mean, and it's not, I mean, it's made me who I am. I think just having to find the answers myself for a lot of this stuff. I mean, which I actually really enjoy. I don't know the other, I don't, I don't, I didn't have my dad around to ask him the basic things. So I've just had to get used to not having that. And I think that's made me have to find answers on my own. So I think I would say that's having to learn through experiencing things. Yeah. There's and like that's, a, there's like which a, has been, I've, I'm grateful to have had experiences that have been very helpful to understand how things work. Even touring, you know, I started Rooney when I was like 17 and I was like, so I, I, and then we got signed like 
you know, a few years later. So like I had to navigate the music industry and stuff as just a young guy without really having that guidance. And especially the guy who was like, that was his expertise. Like how would, yeah, how how, would I, that would have been interesting to see how he would have advised me. But, but I will say like, like when I got my record deal or as we were like, as when I left, I dropped out of college. I mean, to go to pursue a life of music, which was like the worst nightmare for my mother. What were you going to college attack. at the time? I moved to New York City and I went to the school called Eugene Lang, which was under a program called the New School. Oh, yeah. It's, sure, the New School. Yeah. And I was there when, ni- that was when 9-11 happened, right? So oh, I just moved God. there. Well, you so, moved to New York and then 9-11 happened? And, within like three weeks. And your mom lost her mind. Yeah. Within yeah. like three weeks of moving there, New York got shut down. I had to go upstate to get out of the city. School oh, got God. shut down. It was like total... I mean, I was I was staying in Soho when that happened and woke up to everything going on there. And like I could and that's a whole other conversation of just like but everybody's seen the videos. Everybody knows the story. So yeah. I don't have to go into it. But, it, you know, it was obviously like a big change to be young moving to New York. And then that happens. So that December, I decided to like leave New York, leave school and pursue a life of music because I'd already started Rooney. And we were our demo that we made had gotten around to the labels. So we had interest from like some great labels and managers. I flew home. It was 2002. We got signed early 2002. We started making the first Rooney record, which has a California flag as the cover for all the people that might know that record. I knew, yeah, I do know that, that cover. Yeah. So Shaken, Blue Side, all these songs kind of got out there. But we, but yeah. So I was like, you know, when I left college, I wanted to not get screwed over in the music industry. So I enrolled myself in a UCLA music program so I could learn the business how side not to it. get screwed. Oh, that's interesting. And that, so I just started, so I, it taught me a lot of valuable lessons about the music industry because you hear so many horror stories about people getting screwed in the industry. I wanted to go in knowing something. So I, st- I studied music industry business before I got my record deal. Brilliant. So I could properly navigate oh, it. Oh, your dad is so proud of you. So that was my plan. So yeah. I guess that, that's just a little ex- example of like, you know, I, I do best when I throw myself into things and I can kind of figure it out. So that's been my that's been my life, in the, even in the film industry. Like I, I learned by doing it. So I wanted to make movies. I just jumped in with two feet and started to figure out how to package and finance, how to get actors engaged, how to get projects on their feet. And that led to me founding Utopia and the distribution world and now producing more movies for other filmmakers. So it's like built this, com- you know, that's 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 been my life so far. It's interesting to see a track because everything kind of connects to each other. It's not like a clean cut and you're like, okay, I'm done with music. Yeah, now yeah. I'm doing this. Everything kind yeah. of... Because I write the music for my movies. Oh, that's like a good half has a lot of songs it. I wrote for it. Yeah. Oh, really? I still get to keep my... I mean, I'll be I'll go on the road next year for all the Rooney fans listening. I will go on tour next year and do put out a new record. I'm I'm writing new songs now for a new album. But oh, we well, have fans in the building here. Thank you. Yeah. I got it. Like it's 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 getting to me. Like I'm getting so frustrated not like playing shows right now. Like it's it's really because I my whole life has been touring. So when I'm not touring, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like I'm used to staying in like you know double tree you know like just tour, living in business hotels yep. and like being extended like, stays eating, right yeah just being in the <laughs> next city every day it's like i need that like life so but yeah the good half the unicorn the argument dreamland they all feature music i've written so i i get to keep that itch scratched by making movies as well it, it demands both sides of me creatively what do you, so what do you at this point where you are now do you know what you want to do next? Like, what is the thing that I, clearly you're still music is still so much a part of your uh, the thing that fuels you, but you seem to be kind of on this path, right? Like, so what is it that you're where are you going next? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm still in the process of finishing getting the good half out. 
Um, so that screening, I mean, it's, it's, I can't sort of jump, I, I can't run or sprint away from the thing that I'm still need to carry through. Yeah. So the good half is like a really important film for me. It's my next film. I, you know, Nick Jonas is lights out great in it. He really is. He's he really, really is. good. Like, I'm not even just saying that, like a, I'm a friend of I, Nick's a friend and I knew he could do it. Were you guys on the tour? Yeah, we toured together? together. Yeah, yeah. Rooney played some shows with the Jonas Brothers years ago. Oh my God, the squealing in that building must have it was, been. It was fun. I mean, it was really. It was. These were arena. These were like big arena shows, and like they were. That was sort of like they had reached this other level that was really quick, like of just becoming this mega, like you know, fan base. Yeah. But that you know, a lot of our the Rooney music is very easy. I don't know, like catchy. I'd say like I hopefully it's like you know catchy music you could sing to it's fun it's upbeat the show's got a lot of energy so i think it went over well with their audience so like a lot of rooney their audience started coming to the rooney shows and so yeah i've I've known them for a while i don't I, I wouldn't say like we talked frequently but like when i was casting the good half i i just felt like i know nick had acted like nick has acted it's not like he's never acted before he was in kingdom where he played like an mma fighter he had a movie that was like at Sundance. It was like this college crazy. camp rock. Not that it was like a, what's it called? It was like a, it was a, it was a really intense movie about like college hazing, that world of hazing. Mm. But it was like a Sundance. It was like on a drama, really oh, okay. intense movie. It was called Goat. For people who haven't seen it, you, I, I think you as a as a guy who puts pieces together, I think you can execute my vision, which is let's get all of Taylor Swift's exes, <laughs> right, right, and have them cut a record, make something, right? Like the, maybe they will make something. I think that's a hit. They should I start think, a band called Exes. That right? That would yeah. that's a hit waiting to happen. Like yeah. John Mayer, Joe Jonas, uh, Harry Styles. Like how can you how can you it's miss? Crazy. How it's can crazy. you miss? You gotta make that happen, man. Well, uh, so but and by the way, and then not not to mention Jumanji for all the. Nick fans out there. Nick did, you know, the Jumanji movies. He was really funny in those. Right. So, and then, but people don't know, but Nick started out as like a Broadway kid. So he started out on stage performing in New York because he grew up in New Jersey where we shot our movie. Okay. Enough. But yeah, so Nick is a performer. He's, he kind of walks with confidence. He really likes to challenge himself. So I, we gave him the script for the good half and he really loved the character and was like, this is what I want to be doing. These kinds of stories. This is he's never done this before. He's never, if you can believe this, he's never like led starred in a, in a feature film. So this is his first breakout like feature starring movie. Well, I hope I hope that folks will get a chance to go out there and and look tomorrow for, yeah. tomorrow when when the film festival starts. Robert, thank you so much. Is this for coming it? In. This is it. This what? is the show. I know. That's it. They're we already so many. They're already giving me the. They're already giving have, me the. Just starting. But I'll tell you what. When we when we redo the edits tonight, we're gonna put in some of your music. How's that? Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be great for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you, thank you. Our guest today was Robert Schwartzman. He's an actor, a musician, and a filmmaker, and he'll presenting he'll be presenting four films at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival, including The Good Half, which stars Nick Jonas. And that's Sundown for Thursday, November 2nd. Leslie Obay Atkinson is our lead producer, Elisa Baena is our producer. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. Coming up next week on the program, we're talking about music as medicine. An international festival is in town, and it's focused on healing through the sounds of ancestral cultures, whatever that means. We hear from the founders. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only.
WLRN Public Media.